There's more space there. So as everyone is heading out and others are coming in, uh, I am really excited that we have our second seven series, uh, or seven Sunday. For those of you who don't know what happens in this, and it's slightly different to the last one actually, is uh, we have two people preaching for nine minutes, and then we're doing communion after, which all links together. Last time we had three people preaching for seven minutes. So actually these guys have had two extra minutes of time. So it's going to be amazing for them. Um, but I would love to call up Dave first. Um, I must move these uh, things and Dave can sort out that. So give it up for Dave. A round of applause for... Uh... So for those of you who don't know, Dave... Uh, he's part of the team in the mix here. You saw him uh, ripping it apart on the electric guitar. Didn't break any strings, which was amazing as well. Um, but uh, Dave is just such a servant, uh, such an honor to have him being open and up for sharing uh, in the first slot. And so, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you've spoken to Dave this week. Thank you for his preparation. Thank you more than that for his heart to honor you with his life in marriage, in family, in the workplace. Uh, thank you for his honesty and vulnerability in so many ways and to so many of us. And so as he speaks, as he shares, uh, Father, would you speak powerfully through him. Pray that you'd open up our spiritual eyes this morning. Open us up so that uh, whether we've known you for loads of time or whether we're here for the very first time, that we would be open to what you'd say through him. your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Grego. Morning, everyone. It's so nice to be able to speak with you guys this morning. This morning, I have entitled my talk, The Journey Points to Christ. And amazingly, I think it was the day before Craigo kind of said, Dave, will you speak next week and um, put a bit of a Christmas twist on it. My wife and I had done a Bible study the night before, starting in the book of Matthew. And um, something that immediately came to my mind, which is the verse that I'm going to reference this morning, is Matthew 2 verses 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. You legend. Um, and uh, <clears throat> putting that into context, we'll get a little bit, a little bit into that shortly. Um, but so amazing, the journey that these guys took. And I think a lot of us have been on a journey this year that looks, you know, very unique and personal. Some journeys we've probably kind of been in the same boat, dealing with some of the same struggles in Zimbabwe. Um, but what I really hope is that at the center of whatever journey you've been through over the last year, that Christ has been at the center of that journey, that he's been that beacon of hope that you've aligned yourself with pointing to um, as we've gone through this year. Um, and I'm going to try and not say um so much. Uncle Stan, just put your hand up if you hear me say um too much. Keep me accountable. Um, <laughs> only Uncle Stan, not the rest of you. Sorry, time, time. Please, guys, shush. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about these uh, ooh, wise men. And um, we... <laughs> it's tough. It's really tough. I found it so interesting in our study because I feel like traditionally we know quite a lot about them through man-made tradition, but biblically, I didn't re I've never really done a study as to who they were, why, etc., etc. But there's some really interesting things we do know about them, and I'll go through some of that, and also some of the lessons that we can learn from them. So number one, they were called Magi, or Magi. Magi. Um, this is a, a Greek word, which means wise man. 
priest, someone who has studied in astrology, uh, dream interpretations, um, and sometimes even magicians. Number two, there are at least two of them. We don't have a biblical reference for exactly how many of these guys there were. We like to think of the three wise men, and it fits the whole three gifts, three men sort of thing. But we don't really know how many there are. We know that they came from the east. And we have reference of the Magi earlier, 530 years before the birth of Christ in the book of Daniel, in chapters 2, 4, and 5. Number four. They rejoiced to see Jesus and worshipped him. As we see in Matthew 2, verses 11, when they saw Jesus, they fell down and they worshipped him. We know that they gave three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which might lead us to think that they were fairly wealthy, being well-educated, could probably make an argument like that. But also, I like to think that they knew exactly who they were going to see. It was someone of importance. Jesus was possibly a newborn when they met him, or up to six weeks old. Um, In traditional culture, there's 40 days of cleansing before um, the mother who's given birth is allowed to travel or move. Shortly after, we know that they fled to Egypt. They did not return to Herod. God appeared to them in a dream and said, do not go back there. Um, And then Herod proceeded to do some pretty nasty things to all the children under one. And the last one is that there may have been, and again, there's no real concrete evidence, but Daniel being a very important tool for God in prophecy, um, there may have been a prophetic word, or, um, and Daniel did prophesy the coming Messiah as well. So there's that possibility as well. Either way, they definitely heard from God. I believe that they knew who they were going to see when they approached Herod, they said, where is the king of the Jews? So, um, which is amazing. Now, <clears throat> I'd say number nine, they traveled a very, very long way, but I didn't put that up there. Uh, but we'll get to that. What we can learn from these guys, and I think in a lot of the journey of what everyone's been here in your own personal collective way, um, it takes a lot of faith to step out in a lot of the things that we go through in life, not just this past year. And... The wise men definitely had to have a lot of faith um, in stepping out and pursuing this. They may not have known exactly how far they were going, you know, if the Messiah was going to be at the end. Our own human nature can get in the way of all of these things. But they stepped out in faith and they stepped out confidently. Number two is that Jesus is for everyone. My thing's up there, bro. Beast. Um, Jesus is for everyone. And... You know, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been or going to, Jesus is for everyone. There's nothing that you have done that can separate you from his love. And I just love that picture of the first people to fall down and worship Jesus were actually Gentiles. I think that's such a powerful thing that, um, you know, which was obvious in Jewish culture was kind of, they didn't mix it all. Gentiles were very dirty. Jews were God's holy people. Um, And I think that paints a very beautiful picture for us. Number three is that he is worthy of our worship. doesn't matter what we've been through, what we're going through. Jesus is worthy of our worship in the highest highs and the lowest lows. Number four, he is deserving of our very best. The wise men brought the very best of gifts that they had. And for us as well, whether it looks like talents, gifts, abilities, Jesus deserves the very best that we have to give in this life. 
Um, that might be in your job, that might be in your family, it could be serving in the church. Give the very best that you have um, for God and work for God as work for God and not for men. And the last one is that He is speaking to us. Um, sometimes we feel like we might be all alone, that we've been left out, that God's not listening, God's not talking, and I'm saying I'm a lot. Um, (laughs) but God is always talking God's always moving he's always good Uh, and it just takes it just takes maybe just being intentional being alone in a quiet place with the Lord and just seeking his voice intentionally trying to get rid of all the noise all the clutter and this year I think for many in Zim has been a rather tough year coming out of COVID trying to get going again some of the challenges that we faced with the government, probably with increasing demands on economy. Um, I can imagine that it's been a, a tough year for a lot of people, not just in the church, but, but also in Zimbabwe. The amazing thing is that we have Christ as a hope, and if you bring him into the journey, that's amazing. And if you haven't done it yet, it's not too late. You can, re- you can bring Jesus to the center of the journey that you're in, um, coming to the end of the year and finish on a really, really strong note. I don't think it was very easy for the, for the wise men either. As biblical scholars say that they traveled upwards of 1,200 kilometers through the desert, scorching heat, freezing nights. You know, I've been to the Judean wilderness, and it's, it's not flat. <laughs> um, it's a really tough, uh, really, really tough and brutal wilderness, that. Um, and they may have had obstacles to go around, to go over. They may have had to direct, redirect their routes. But at the end of the day, they knew exactly where they were going. They had that beacon of hope always to point to and always to to follow. So wherever you're at, um, coming up to the end of the year, whatever journey that you've had, um, bring Christ to the center of that journey. And with this Christmas season, really um, end it on a note that that is centered on Christ. Even if it hasn't been that sort of year for you, it's not too late. Really make Christ the pinnacle of the end of this year, the end of this journey, and make it the start of whatever's left to come. Um, Enjoy the Christmas holidays with the family, with friends, with the food and everything else. But, But yeah, make Christ the center of it and really be intentional about bringing him into the final steps of this year. So awesome. Thank you, Devo. Uh, Just quality and heartfelt and strong and challenging for each of us. So thanks so much. Next up, Mr. Killian Mongezi. Up you come. Give it up for Killian. (laughs) Killian was going through his... His, his notes with me, and he was sending on a voice note, and I just wish I could send voice notes with that kind of clarity. It's just like, hi, Craig, this is exactly what I'm thinking. Part one, this. Part two, I mean, I just wish I could do a voice note like that, so you could do a training for me, um, especially for us millennials who like three, four, five, six-minute voice notes. Uh, but Killian, I'm so chuffed for your prep, and uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for what we've heard so far. Thank you for what you're still going to speak. Thank you for a man who really desires to hear your voice, to hear what you want to say to each of us, and then to just share it. 
openly and honestly. And so as Kirian shares, pray for such a sense of you with him, such a sense of peace, and thank you that you're going to speak. Your name we pray. Amen. Yeah, thanks, Craig, for giving me the opportunity to share the word with the family. Um, so I wanted to share from Luke 2, verses 8 to 21. There's a couple of verses I wanted to share with you this morning. Okay. And um, so as we're in the Christmas season, I wanted to talk about the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ. And the first thing that stands out to me, you know, is from chapter Luke 2, verses 8. And it says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And I was wondering, they're probably just going about their day, you know. Um, I was just, yeah, no, I was wondering about the, just the status of the shepherd. I was thinking, who were they? Who were these shepherds? And, um, and as I was going through my research, um, I realized that these shepherds were, there weren't any people special. You know, in fact, it's important to note that in those days, they were not considered a part of polite society. They were often scorned. They were distrusted by people. And, and I thought, you know, isn't this the heart of God? God is not a God who just goes after those people whom we consider to be important or we consider to be people of, you know, high status. And, and I was thinking, you know, this is something that we do. You know, I was thinking, God, if I could plan this whole thing out, I probably would have sent the angel to someone connected to Caesar or to one of the relig religious leaders. That would have been the obvious pick to me, you know. Um, but not God. Um, and... In verses 9, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You know, her family, the gospel is for all the people. It's for everyone. It's good news for everyone. Again, it doesn't matter what status you hold. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus wants you. I just want to remind you that if you don't know Jesus today, if maybe you are undecided, you know, the gospel is for you. Jesus wants you. Jesus longs to have a relationship with you. And I do want to emphasize that it doesn't matter what you have done. So often the things that prevent us from coming to God is the shame that we hold. We think, how could God possibly want me? Or maybe you've, you've been a Christian before, but you've messed up badly and you're thinking, how could God ever ever want me? How can I walk into church after I've done this? And I want to say, God wants you. 
This isn't a place for perfect people. This isn't a place for people who have it together. You know, it's a place for, for broken people. It's a place for people that are hurting. It's, for, it's a place for people who find themselves trapped and in bondage to sin. This is why we come to church. Um, so yeah, there is, there is hope in Jesus and he's beckoning you to come. Come to Jesus whilst he may still be found. Come just as you are. Okay. And I was also wondering, you know, the, the shepherds are probably just going about their daily business, doing what they always do when, when, when they had this encounter with these angels. You know, I was thinking, yeah, I wonder what was happening on that day. I wonder if they had a sense that something special was going to happen. I don't know. But this is the story for many of us, right? We're just going about our everyday life, just doing what we do, everything, living life on our own terms when we have this encounter with Jesus, when we have this encounter with the Lord. You know, not everyone is actively seeking out the Lord. Sometimes God finds you. And, um, yeah. And, and, when he's, and when Jesus finds us, it has this profound impact on who we are, you know. And I sometimes wonder what the story of the shepherd was. I wonder who were they? Did they really believe in God? Who were they? Who were these people? But one thing we know is how they responded when the angel gave them the news. We know the impact that it had on them. You know? And again, it's just like many of us, right? We have the story of who we were before, but then God. You know, I was sick, but then God. I was hopeless, but then God. I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to pornography. My marriage was over, but then God. My daughter and my son, they're lost, but then God. Yeah. And again, this is the good news of the scripture. This is the hope that the birth of Jesus gives and brings to us. Okay. Then the Bible goes on to say in verses 15, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And the one thing that stood out here before I go on is, although it was the angel who brought the good news, the ultimate source of all knowledge and wisdom is God. You know, it is God who gives us the ability to discern his word. It is God who makes known the hidden things of his word. It is God who will reveal to you what the birth of Jesus Christ truly means. So I just wanted to encourage you to spend time with God. Meditate on the word. Pray on it. Pray about it. Never let these words depart from your heart and your mouth. 
And I really do encourage you, when you go away from church, read it for yourself. I think one of the biggest challenges we face in our church today is people simply do not read the Bible for themselves. They come, they listen to the preacher, whoever's leading, they take their word for it. And so often, if we are to be honest, many people are deceived in that way. They get, you know, they hear a false gospel. That's just the truth about the life we live. There is a gospel out there that is false. There are things that are spoken about that are not biblical. So I think it's important that we, as believers, learn how to read the word for ourselves. And also because Jesus has got a message for you a message that's very specific to your situation and to your life. And how will you ever know unless you spend time with God? How will you ever know the purpose and the plan of God for your life unless you're very intentional about spending life time with God every day? And if you really struggle with reading the Bible and studying the Bible, you know, there are resources available to you. You know, there's the right media platform that the church has made available to us. You know, um, there's the YouVersion Bible app that I use. I use a prayer guide from there that's very helpful. There are resources and Bible um, studies at the back there on the welcome table. There's so much available to you that you can use to help you in your daily walk. And I really encourage you to take advantage of those resources. Okay, the pastor says the shepherds went with haste to look for Mary and, and to Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. You know there was a sense of urgency from them. You know they had to share the news they had heard. And how do you respond when you hear the gospel? Does it evoke feelings of excitement and joy? Are you excited about telling people about this gospel and about what the birth of Jesus means for us all. You know, this is good news. This is something that should bring us and give us joy and excitement. Jesus, the hope of the world, he is here. I have hope. I have life because of what Jesus has done. And so do those people who don't know God. Um, This is the God. And so, oh yeah, there's another passage that I love from Philippians 2, verses 68, you know, and it's talking about Jesus. And it says, though he, in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. This is the God we serve. This is the Jesus we serve. He humbled himself, gave up everything, all his rights to be God, just just so that he can come down and save you and save all of us. This is the God we serve. He endured suffering so that you and I might have life. You know, Vodi Bochum says, sharing the gospel is about knowing what the gospel is. 
It is the announcement of good news that God saves sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Sharing the gospel is as simple as sharing this news about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, who we are as sinners and why we need the work of Jesus Christ and are called to repentance and faith. This is the message of the gospel. It says, the shepherds found Mary and Joseph and told them what they had heard. I love how Mary responded to what they said. It says in verses 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Again, how do you respond when you hear the word of God? Do you treasure it in your heart in the same way that, treasure, that Mary treasured it? Do you take the time to ponder on the things of God and what they mean for you in your life and in your family, family's life, I encourage you to spend time with God. Spend time with God. Create the space, that quiet and secret place where you can spend time with God. Then it says in verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This news absolutely turned these shepherds' world upside down. They couldn't keep this news to themselves. They had to let the world know about what they had heard and seen. It says they returned glorifying and praising God. This is the good news of Christmas. This is the kind of news that ought to leave us glorifying and praising God for who he is and what he has done for us. I want to remind you that Christmas is a time of joy. It's a time of celebration. So as you are celebrating with your families, just take the time, take a moment just to remind of yourself of what the birth of Jesus truly means for you and for your family. Okay. This is a message of hope. So if you do find yourself, and I know Christmas isn't always a happy time for everyone, but what I love about this story and this passage and this time is that it reminds me of the hope I have in Jesus. It reminds me that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I've done, there is hope in Jesus. Okay. There is hope in Jesus. So I just want to remind you, church, Jesus is for everyone. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, and if you, are, if you don't know God, Jesus wants you. He longs for you. He wants to get to know you. He has a purpose. He has a plan, a unique plan for your life. And I encourage you to give him a chance. Accept Jesus into your life. It's a decision, I promise you, you will never regret. Thank you so much, Craig, and Hope Family.